0: Hey, everybody, welcome to Jen Lowry Writes. Today, I'm so excited for you guys to meet my local author friend. This is Cindy (laughs) Brookshire. She is an active member of the North Carolina Writers Network. She uses dialogue and storytelling as techniques to build community. Her poetry and prose have appeared in County Lines, a literary journal, Carolina Woman, Southern Writers Magazine, and Pisgah Review, She blogs at cookiesfornataka.wordpress.com. Cindy, welcome from the country.
1: Hello. (laughs) Thank you for having me, Jen.
0: So I'm so excited to have Cindy here. And guys, thank you very much for being patient with us. If you're checking this out on YouTube and watching the podcast there, because country living can sometimes have its challenges with internet, we will hear Cindy and then see Cindy smile. So we will get like a little delay in the video feed, but we cannot wait to talk about Cindy's project, A Heart for Selma. Cindy, you got to hold that book up again, share it. <laughs> Guys, look. And today I got to travel to the Johnson County Library because I wanted to get a picture of Cindy's display work there to honor community, to honor the people, the photographer of the book. Cindy, I'm so excited for you.
1: Thank you. It's my first book. I'm 67 years old. <laughs> you're never too late
0: (laughs) yes so cindy first book did you ever expect a heart for selma to to be born and to come what what happened tell me i want to know like from idea how did all of this start
1: well actually i have been a business writer for like 40 years in virginia so i set aside creative writing when i got here in north carolina about six years ago I said, okay, I'm gonna work on my manuscript. So I actually, and this is what a lot of writers do, they have these thick manuscripts that they've been working on for 30 years and they're in a bin underneath a bin. (laughs) And so I actually have like three other books that I'm working on, but suddenly this came forward because I was at the Harrison Center for Active Living in Selma, which is the senior center. And I would go there once a week, and I'd have, like, composition books and pencils, and I'd do this thing called telling our stories. And I just wanted to encourage older people to tell their story. And, and it's not always that you have to do it in writing. You can do a quilt You can write down your recipes. You can pull out photographs, that type of thing. But I had some people come, and there was one woman. Her name was Eula B. Ivy. She was one of the first women auctioneers in North Carolina, and she just rattled off like 13 stories one after another, and I would audio record them, type them up, put them in a notebook so everyone at the senior center could read them. And one of the stories she told was about a Raleigh matron that, ate, that put 13 ham biscuits on her plate <laughs> when she was catering. And, and someone came into the kitchen and said, did you know what she did? She put 13 ham biscuits on her plate. You know, that type of stuff that you hear. And then another story was uh, the current mayor pro tem of Selma. Her name is Jacqueline Lacey she came in and she started telling a more serious story about racial divide in the town uh, when she was growing up. And I just felt like I had to document that story, also get a waiver from her so that I could turn it into the Johnson County Heritage Center. But in my mind, I said, I need to do a book. I need to do a book, 12 People of Selma. So uh, when we started this activate Selma, which was a group that meets every Wednesday morning. We started out at the senior cent at the visitor center. And it was just have coffee, talk about what action we're taking, and go out and do it. It was like we don't complain, we we make change happen because there's so many broken record stories in Selma. So I wrote off for a grant, an artist support grant. Which is the type of grant that they will buy you a computer, or they will send you to a course. It was it has to be something that pulls you together forward as an artist. And I said, well, I need a book. <laughs> I've been a writer all my life, and I don't have a book, so I can't say I'm an author. And it just helps with the street cred to say this is my book. I'm a writer. people understand that. So I did get the grant, and they paid for. Uh, an editor, and they paid for book production. I paid for photography. Uh, I did. I donated the writing myself, but I had six months to do it because of COVID. They took their normal year-long grants and made them into six months. And I thought, oh, I can write twelve stories in six months. <laughs> I didn't count on the marketing, the production, the editing. So one of the first things I thought was, I wish I'd have read this first. <laughs> because when I got to the editing part, in your book, you talk about how it it's like a five-step process. I just figured I would just get it just as clean as I could, send it off to the professional editor, and she would just bless it and send it back to me. <laughs> She sent it back to me and said, you need to do this. You need to do that. I literally was tearing it apart over again. And I got to the point where I was like in tears. I was like, I'm not going to make my grand deadline. There's just too much work. And it's like, I just had to calm myself down and say, you're going to do this. The next time you're going to do, <laughs> do it the five step way that you talk in your book. But anyway, I made, I made the deadline. I got it out. And it's now I'm now in that window of marketing between August 1st was when I said I've launched it. And I figure until September 16th, that's that's my drop dead. Okay, what have you written lately and go on to the next project? But I'm working everything that I can to get the word out about the book. So and it's fun. I'm having fun. (laughs)
0: So that arbitrary number, like you're starting August 1st and finalizing it September the 16th as a marketing well, plan, was that something that you set for yourself?
1: It was something I set for myself because many, I had seen many writers in Virginia and North Carolina, they'd self published their book, they'd set up their book. Uh, book launch or their book signing and the books wouldn't be there yet so i said okay i am ordering the books in august i'm putting the signing september 16th and so that would give me time to you know like stores do soft opens i'm like i'll just do a soft marketing plan well, it hasn't been like that. It's been like, boom, everyone wants to know about this book. So I almost don't even need to do the, the book signing September 16th. Although I do need to order more books because I, I have run out of them. I, I ordered 300. I've placed or sold 260. I have 40 left in my car. <laughs> so I'm trying to figure out that. I don't want to order too many and have them sitting in my garage for the next 10 years but enough that I can I can do that signing on September the 16th.
0: So I love how you said the book is pretty much selling itself, that it has taken mm. over and has brought life to the community because now they have a book that showcases A Heart for Selma. What kind of title? Look at that. <laughs> the title speaks for itself.
1: Well, the other thing is my faith. I live in Pine Level, but I feel drawn to Selma, and I think it was God sent me to Selma. <laughs> and I don't know why he did, because it, it really did not look good when I first stepped into the visitor center. In fact, I would drive by the visitor center, and it would say closed. And then I'd drive by again and say closed, and I'm like, okay, what kind of town has a visitor center that's never open? <laughs> <laughs> so I volunteered. And this guy named Timmy said, come next Thursday. And I came on Thursday and he left me there. (laughs) I don't know anything about Selma. And he left me there. And I'm such a timid, meek person. I just sat at the desk and like, I'm waiting for people to come in and no one came in. And I'm just sitting there and I start looking around. Then I realize the brochures are like a year old and there's dust and the desk is slightly leaning And there's an old TV mounted on the wall. And I'm like, okay, something's wrong here. So I called the visitor center. And I said, hi, I'm in the Selma visitor center. Uh, Can I get some new brochures? And they were like, we didn't even know there was a Selma visitor center. (laughs) So someone came out and she literally just made this mountain of brochures. Like, you got to throw all this out. She gave me new posters for the wall. I got uh, pine-level furniture to donate some rockers, some red Troutman rockers, and got rid of the leaning desk and the mounted TV, and then started investigating Selma. And a woman named Suzanne Pote, she used to do a platform design, she said, you need to not just sit in the visitor center, you need to go out and meet the people in the town. And so I I did do, like, an art pop-up and some other, like, artistic-type things. And out of that, uh, there were, like, three other people that would meet me every Wednesday morning. We called ourselves Four Cups Selma because we were all like, what can we do? What can we do to help this town? And so we realized we needed to change ourselves. And I think that's why my faith came through because— you can't change a town. You can't change anybody else. You can change yourself. And the only way to do that is to listen to the creator working through you. So I I look at him as the creator. I am the scribe. I'm like, okay, what do you want me to do? And that's when I applied for the grant and started writing the stories. So... and the other people the the stories are all of people and their faith what drew them to selma what brought them to different breaking points what brought them to mountain highs what made them figure i'm in the right direction i mean one of them is a minister who uh, became minister at selma baptist church and he drove into town He saw the depot and he's like, oh, this is a cool little place. And then he started driving around town. He's like, oh, my gosh, what's what's going on here? And he did a prayer walk when he when he took his call to the church. He did a prayer walk in downtown and he would stop at each building and prayed for it. And God told a voice told him, don't look at it as it is. Look at it it as it's going to be and and he just held on to that so the every story has something in it that gives you a grain of hope and makes you see that selma isn't buildings it's people it's the people who have lived here you know 60 70 150 years and we all are just the current you know stewards of the of the town we're on the shoulders of the people that came before us and they were people of faith also
0: I absolutely love this story, and I love how you have accepted it as it is a part of your calling because you volunteered. It started out as you driving by and being led to volunteer at an unlikely place, a place where you don't know the yeah. town. You don't know, and no one else knew about the visitor center either, apparently, apparently.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: but God it's knew. A- Yes,
1: that's it. I could see him everywhere. And the people who would come in would be people who had left Selma, and they would be like, what happened to Selma? Or it'd be local residents, you know, just coming in to talk, or what I called the walkers. There were several people that just walk around town almost all day long. And so I would start stocking bottled water so they wouldn't get dehydrated. But they would tell me all these wonderful stories of the town of people people in the town
0: i love this cindy you can start a whole movement across the united states and the world where people can capture stories right well, this, in the heart of their hometowns
1: well this actually is part of a story because there's a national movement called StrongTowns.org. it's it's out of brainerd minnesota It's a man named Charles Marone, and he actually did a book tour for his first book, and I went to meet him in Davidson, North Carolina. One of the things he said in his first book is, what is it? Humbly look where people struggle. Humbly look where people struggle. Uh, Listen to them. Think of one small thing that you can do to address that struggle. Do it now. And then repeat it. <laughs> and I just thought that's easy enough. You know where do people struggle in Selma? And what I found was no one was talking to each other. The uh, dialogue was dysfunctional, and that's why I say in my bio I use community dialogue. I just simply get people meeting each other and talking to each other. So even as as um, even last week we we move our meetings on wednesday mornings for activate selma to different places and we were in this place on rayford street and the woman who who has her business in that in that building did not know the woman across the street who's been in business for like 30 20 30 years had never met so it's simply and this is what we did in neighborhoods in manassas virginia we would meet we would have hot dogs we would have a yard sale and, and realize that people didn't even know their neighbors across the street. And once you get to meet and talk to each other, then things change.
0: Mm, I love that so much. And so, yes, dialogue and storytelling as techniques to build community. And you're living that. You're living mm. that bio out <laughs> in practice. Yes. So, yeah. so business writer to this project, but you said you had mm-hmm. three others. And then all of a sudden, a heart for Selma moved in and took over and bulldozed everything aside. So what's happening with you now, now that you have got this project out and about, it is a bestseller on paperback on Amazon. Congratulations (laughs) for everything you're doing to highlight your stories of your community. So what's next for you? Are you going to stick within this nonfiction storytelling world or are you moving on to fiction? I'd love to hear. Well,
1: I do have poetry and short stories that I've placed in different places. I want to collect them all into something called little towns because a lot of them have to do about little towns. I wrote a story. My daughter did roller skating when she was little. She's 35 now. But every Saturday morning I would sit in the roller rink while she did her thing and i'd write a story about it so i'd call it saturday morning skate so it's almost like putting these stories and poems to bed in a little thing called little towns and so this is another idea i got from you uh when you talked to the johnson county writers group you said you start out by having a picture of your of your book cover (laughs) and so i went on instagram and there's this guy he's a photographer his name is watson brown and he goes around north carolina and takes pictures of farms and tractors and old houses and little towns and then kind of slightly filters them or colorizes them they're just beautiful so i contacted him uh two days ago and i said i want to use one of your photos what's it going to cost and i was like yeah He said $100 for a one-time use for a book cover. So I'm like, yeah, I can afford that. So I've narrowed it down to nine different pictures. And when I get the one that I feel, and I pray over this, which one do you want? Because you know the book cover is so important. That's what sells the book. And he has like 19,000 followers on Instagram, (laughs) So I, I want to use one of his photos because his fans are going to want to see it. And then uh, and then put my it's I call it putting them to bed, putting my stories and my poems to bed. I and love then that work. Emma. And then getting the bin under the bin <laughs> and get the manuscripts out that I know need a whole lot of work. I mean, I, they really are in the middle But I need to go ahead and face them. You know, what I write is a lot of memoir and it's very personal and painful, even. Uh, So facing up to it is even hard. But I know that's another thing that God wants me to do. In fact, one of the things I'm doing in Clayton, Clayton Library just got a grant with the big NEA Big Read. So they're encouraging the entire town of Clayton to read Sandra Cisneros' The House on Mango Street. So the Johnson County Writers Group is going to have four workshops. One of them is this fall. The other three are in 2022. But they're all using this as a prompt. And the chapters are very short. I mean, they're like two pages, like that. That long, so you can actually read them as part of the workshop, and then encourage people to write, and then take the book home and read it. But one of the issues is domestic abuse, so I'm going to uh, get Kay Johnson with Harbor Inc. She's going to facilitate. The workshop will be run by writers, but she'll be there to facilitate because when you start getting people writing about very sensitive issues, you need someone there to kind of. You know, you don't want to send them out on the street after they, you know, ripped open an old wound or anything. And then the other three workshops are like memoir writing, writing a family poem. And then another thing, a a second generation immigrant, Miriam Amado Lopez, she's from Selma. She's going to help me with one on the issues because Sandra is a Mexican-American. And so... Uh, There's a lot of immigrants in Clayton, so we're helping, hoping to address that issue of making a new home somewhere where you're not familiar. Now, Miriam grew up in Selma, but she didn't feel welcome there because she kept getting stopped by the police, like regular stops, because they were profiling her. And so she moved away. She moved to Smithfield, and she said, I love Selma but I got tired of being stopped by the police. So it's when you can bring those kind of issues out and write about them and talk about them, I think it, it heals a community and makes change happen.
0: Love it. Using story for change and using books that matter that can also help build that bridge now that, in community. Yeah,
1: now that was Joy Gerritson did all the grant writing to get this with Cut. Ellington Memorial Library. So she did all the hard work to get this and it's not just writing workshops. There's going to be like musical performances and theater and everything. It's a huge grant.
0: Nice. Congratulations. And and that mm-hmm. also is a testament to you and the writer community. So encourage other people that are listening right now that may not have joined a writing community and talk to them about that power of connection.
1: You're not alone, and that's the other thing I learned about this book. I thought it was going to be my thing that I had to do all by myself, and that's not true. I needed an editor, a book producer, uh, a photographer. The photographer is Katya Gentes. Gentes. Uh, I tried to get a professional photographer and I couldn't get him. He was too busy. She's a barista at Coffee on Rayford in Stelma. She's 17 years old. She needed somebody to help her build her portfolio. And I said, okay, I'm going to take a chance. Well, the grant report wanted to know how many youth I used in my project. I was like, one. (laughs) She's right there. (laughs) So... So a lot of it's just, it's serendipity, it's God, it's putting yourself out there because I had to make myself vulnerable. I couldn't do this alone. There were 23 people involved in this project. It wasn't just 12 interviews, it was 18 interviews. And the stories, like I said, are very personal. And in fact, the way I wrote them, I interviewed them and the first version was always the roughest one like i'm putting it i'm putting everything out there that you told me and then they would come back and i was surprised at the level of yeah go ahead and say that because people need to hear it so so in writing and in order to write you have to write and so i do this thing called the artist way it's a uh, the two tools, it's uh, Julia Cameron, and she says, use two tools. Every morning, write three pages. Write them stream of conscious. You can do like, oh, the orange juice turned today, and I, it's trashed out. I don't want to put the trash out. And you'll write like maybe two pages like that on the third, day, third page. All of a sudden, you'll be brilliant because <laughs> you got all that garbage out of the way. And then the other thing you do is you take yourself on an art date. And an art date can be going to an art gallery or taking a painting course. But it can also be learning how to change the oil in your car. Or just you get yourself out of your normal silo. And you'll see things that you never saw before. So, And it helps you be creative. Because we all get into brain ruts. So,
0: And it's also taking time... taking time for yourself and to be able to yes. to say it's okay to have this art date i love it let's start art dates everywhere guys <laughs> because don't we need it sometimes for our inspiration i see that you had no problem gathering stories and and they were there just vibrant and ready to come to you like they were yeah. just just there and yeah. i love something that you said earlier you said not only with the pictures, I've heard this throughout with you. It starts with prayer.
1: Yes, I walk. I am Episcopal, and I go to St. Paul's Episcopal Church in Smithfield, North Carolina. There's an outdoor labyrinth there, and it's a place of meditation where you you can pick up a rock as you as you stand at it, and you say, "I'm going to dedicate this walk to," and it'll just come to you. It could be something. Oh, I didn't know that was on my mind. And then you just start walking. You go to the center. You take as long as you want, as quickly as you want. You can be angry. You can be uh, grateful, whatever. When you get to the center, you put down your stone that you picked up at the beginning and you let go whatever load you were walking with and then you walk back out and it's just so wonderful. And the labyrinth was in memory, of a gentleman who lost his wife and he and other people paid for the labyrinth. It's, it's just phenomenal and it's right there. And there's actually a online, of course, there's a website for everything. It's called Worldwide Labyrinth Locator. <laughs> so no matter where you live, You can find the labyrinth closest to you. And it's just a meditative tool uh, that you can use to let go and let God.
0: And we can do that, too, on just a nature walk. Our time when we're out in our community or walking a trail, we can practice that same type of principle and we can dedicate and let go. Absolutely love that. Cindy, Mm -hmm. you're teaching me all kinds of new stuff today, so I know the audience is loving it. I I learned a lot from you, (laughs) so I'm going to keep following you. (laughs) And partnerships too, Cindy. Talk about just partnerships and being out. Like, today, guys, I knew that I was going to have Cindy on the show, and Cynthia told me, you know, about the library cases, and I just went to celebrate her more than anything yeah. in the world, just to be able to snapshot this picture for all of the hard work and the marketing. You know, you talk about, you know, this and that with marketing and how marketing may be a little challenging, but you have got it, lady. It's, it's weird.
1: I, I was on the, my book cover was on the electronic sign at the selma fire department so i drove there at 5 30 in the morning to take a picture of it so i could put it on instagram but i i just thought that was so cool and then i put the book in a little free library too the one uh, wilma bassetti and pine level she has one in her front yard with a little bench and i was like this is this is the biggest thrill. It's not, you know, accepting the national book award. It's having my book in the local little free library.
0: (laughs) I love it so much. So now guys, have you heard, have you heard already some new tips that you can go on? I hope you have your journals out. If not, you could just re-listen to everything that Cindy is sharing. So Cindy about authentically just sharing out your story and now having to order more. Like getting it into that local shop, that local community, because it is to celebrate Selma and, you know, that transitioned into that. How how was that for you just walking up and pitching your book?
1: Well, I I laid the groundwork for it. It's like uh what I, I i don't know where i got the book marketing plan i think it's because i've been to so many writer meetings where people talk market your book market your book i knew it's something that people you don't leave it until your book comes out you have to do it like 6 months ahead of time because there is no time and every day i have to do okay i'm going to do this or the next day i'm going to do this because it is just tiring you know the books are heavy <laughs> Uh, But there were enough receptive people that they they said, I'll take 20 books or I'll take 10 books or whatever. And then uh, Jeffrey Hamilton with Coffee on Rayford, he actually ordered these little, uh, I don't know, the little things that they stand on, little plastic things, five of them. So I was able to, some of the people that said, I want 20 books, I said, here's a free stand from Jeffrey Hamilton. So.
0: Oh, I love that. That's cross, that's cross promotion too. And getting other businesses to join along with you on those efforts. That's cool. That's a cool idea. Guys, another one, another tip from Cindy, (laughs) Cindy, the tip master up here. (laughs) And so now that you're going to be working with your little town book is Mm -hmm. similar marketing plan for this one as well. Are you thinking of um, going ahead and trying to research some new avenues?
1: Not really, because what I learned from other writers who have self-published, people want to be able to click on that second book. So the guy that produced this book, Victor Rook, said, when's your next book? You need to get it out, because when people see you signing this one, they're going to want your next book. So that I knew to get that ready, so I already had someone beta read it. all I have to do is plug in the the corrections and everything and rethink a little bit of the order of things and go ahead and get it out so that, it. and I'm not really going to promote it. It's just going to be there like, oh, if you like that one, then maybe you'll like this one.
0: So you are doing some leap of faith work, which I love, which means that you are not waiting. You are now just going after the stories that, that you've had, you're going after them though. So so instead of holding back the bins, the bins are now being set free.
1: Right. And it's again, it's God leading you. And in the same way that you create a character and you let that character take you where they want to go, I listen to God and when He says you need to talk to that person. You need to write that person's story. I want you to write that person's story. (laughs) You keep hearing that like third time. Okay, (laughs) I won't go back. You know, it's they call to you. So it's like, I don't, and it's always, I don't have time to do this, but you know, it's something you need to do. It's like releasing it. So.
0: So then you have to battle through the excuses to be able to get to the work. And oh, how, a, how was that for you with the excuse a, line?
1: Well, there's a whole lot of uh, low self-esteem stuff going on in my head. But I've seen enough writers that say, you just shrug shrug it off because there's plenty of successful writers who it happens to them, too. And it's just that little voice that wants to kill you, you know keep you from doing what god wants you to do and you just have to shrug it off and say it's always I'm not good enough I'm not good enough writer to write this somebody else can write it better or that that's kind of risky going out and talking to that person uh, I don't really i don't speak Spanish I don't know if they speak English we come from different places I don't feel comfortable but God wants you to be in the uncomfortable places because he wants to reveal something to you. And he does say, like I did go talk to someone, his name is Sergio Benitez. He runs Sola Creations Boutique and he does quinceanera dresses and stuff like that. He's the most fascinating people and I was too shy to talk to him. But now I talk to him all the time and I go in there because he sells tiaras and i realized that half the thing is is all these mothers who n- were never able to afford their own quinceañeras are now doing it for their daughters or they had to delay it because of covid and now they might be doing a sweet 16 or that that quinceañera that they had to delay but they want a tiara too <laughs> It's like, I want one. So I bought myself one and I ended up giving it away. And then I bought another one and gave it away. I gave away four tiaras. The one in the case at the library is going to be mine.
0: <laughs> I saw like, it. It's it's in this picture, just, y'all. Just, right just, in the middle on the shelf. It's oh absolutely beautiful. <laughs> Sitting in the back. I wanted to know the story of that. And yes, well, you do deserve to wear that crown, Cindy. You <laughs> and do. I wear it?
1: Right. You know how we have our little writer things that inspire us and stuff. Well, tiara, I'm going to wear it while I I write. And I did do a poem about a uh, dollar store tiara that, you know, I had it on while I was writing. And I went out while I was letting the dog out to go to the bathroom and the garbage men were coming by. And I was like, oh, my God, I forgot to take my tiara off. (laughs) They must think I'm weird. (laughs) So, I wrote a poem about it.
0: <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it so much. Well, Cindy, last minute words of advice for everyone out there. I, I've loved what you've said about God putting us in places that may be uncomfortable. And that is where we can have something being revealed. What do you feel like has been most revealing to you?
1: right I think we're we're living through a really difficult time, uh, politically, public health wise. And I always think I I like I said I'm Episcopal, and our presiding bishop is Bishop Curry, who used to be in North Carolina, and now he's the presiding bishop in in New York. He has always said, "Love God, love your neighbor, love yourself." Just that. That simple thing, if you just do that thing every day, you're going to make people's lives better. Because I see it as a rope, and, and people. some people are on their last thread. You might be that last thing that holds them together. And it's all about love. So,
0: And so, perfect with this Bible verse. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. John 13, 34. Yes. Love it. Well, Cindy, I just want to thank you so much for joining me today on Jen Lowry Writes. How thank can people like? Me. How can people get up with you, Cindy, online? She's been dropping Instagram, y'all. Yeah. So Cindy's on the Instagram. We got to go and get there. I've followed her. You can find her through my friends list on Jen Lowry Writes. But Cindy, tell them how they can find you directly on Instagram and where you like to live on social uh, media.
1: Yeah. I live best on facebook and you can just look me up cindy brookshire author or cindy brookshire and you can friend me if if i know you (laughs) because i get nervous about there's there's a lot of people with fake profiles especially on instagram so on instagram it's at cindy or or the loop thing cindy brookshire it's pretty simple But if you're close to Selma, come to Activate Selma any Wednesday morning. We move around. Next week, next Wednesday, we'll be at Pixie Dust Lunchbox with Wilma. Wilma's uh, giving away lunches to the Lowe's 100 hometown crews that are going to come in and do a project in Selma later this month. Really, everyone's so nice in Selma. So just come see us in Selma. Ask anybody, right. they know where I hang out. I hang out at the coffee shop, Coffee on Rayford.
0: <laughs> awesome! All right, Cindy, thank you so much for sharing a heart for Selma with the world and all of the work that thank you've you. done from idea to creation of the book to now putting it out there for the world to have. Just thank you for all um, that you've done, Cindy. And can I say
1: it was supported by the United Arts Council of Raleigh and Wake County and the North Carolina Arts Council. That was, that was the grant. And I really appreciated them.
0: The stamp is on the back cover guys of the book. You can see it beautifully stamped grant approved. Thank you so much, Cindy, just hugs to you and all that you're doing. And thank you for just being a friend to me (laughs) I just love you. I love your spirit. I love your kind heart. And guys, Cindy is so willing. Like she learned something and she's sharing it out with the world. And that's how we can make it a better place. So more people like you, Cindy, we need you.
1: Thank you. Thanks for inviting me. everybody. All right, take guys. Care.
0: <laughs> y'all have a blessed day. I'll talk with y'all later.